Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. How's it going? It's going good. We are back here. It's just you and I today. Just you and I. Just you and I. Just you and I. So we are talking perils today. Yes. Be afraid. Be very afraid. They're made with real Girl Scouts. (laughs) (laughs) Which perils are we talking today? We're talking about the perils of overgiving, which is, you know, pretty common for my peeps. Yeah. 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 Your people are givers. They are. (laughs) They are. We are. We're overgivers. It's, It's our thing. Our jam. How does a person overgive? Okay, so there's there's a wide variety of yeah. answers to and that. And actually, you know what? Let's let's start by funneling it down a little bit. What do you mean by when you say giving? Are you talking giving money? Are you talking, you know, giving high fives? What what is the giving <laughs> in this case that you're talking about? Well, it, it can be any or all of the above, but um, most often it's giving of your time and energy. Mm-hmm. And that's really the pieces that I want to talk about today. Okay. You know, money goes into it too. So that's a really good point. And so, you know, remind me, we'll definitely circle back around to that because I have had that conversation with people too. So okay. for the moment, let's talk about time and energy. I want to talk about it on two different levels. I want to talk about it on the mental emotional level, but then I also want to talk about it on the energetic because it has implications on both. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're the average person that would be listening to this podcast. <laughs> and, and that means that probably you have an issue around feeling like you're not good enough, which means that you have a tendency to do a lot for others so that they think that you're good enough so that they'll love you. 
this is sort of our modus operandi on this. When this happens, we have a tendency to martyr ourselves. We will sacrifice ourselves on the altar of other people's happiness. And we just drive ourselves into the ground. So from a mental emotional perspective, when this is your standard operating procedure, you have a tendency to surround yourself with takers. Okay. What happens is you give and 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 give. And then one day you need something. Right. And the takers look at you and go, what are you talking about? What, what, what you want, you want me to give to you? What, what, what are you talking about? And you're going, but I gave and gave and gave and gave. Look at all the things that I did for you. I, I made all these deposits into our emotional bank account together and I'm owed. And they go, no, what are you talking about? Why, why, what, why are you asking me for something? Because you think you have a different contract with them than they think they have with you. They think the contract is you give to them and they make you feel good about yourself, which is actually your contract, by the way. (laughs) You, on the other hand, have completely ignored the fact that you get to feel good about yourself because you often don't really acknowledge that that actually happens. And you've gone, but I've given and given and given and now it's my turn. And then you end up with this big old hole in your life where nobody takes care of you, which is a repeat of your history from your childhood. And you reinforce the fact that you're all by yourself and you can't do anything. You can't rely on anybody else. And why bother to ask for help? Because it's never coming anyway. This is a sad cycle. This is a very difficult cycle. Yeah. In your childhood, it was the truth, right? It it was what it was. You couldn't change your choice of parents midstream. It just doesn't happen that way. So that was what it was. But in your adult self, you do have a choice to surround yourself with people who are not takers and thereby get your needs met when you need them. However, (laughs) the other side of that coin is that if you don't accept help well, The people who want to give back to you will get frustrated with you and wander off. Yeah. And so it's both a combination of not needing to always be the one who gives and being the person who's willing to receive. And to your point, that's not just in trying to define who the people are that you surround yourself with. It's it's starting to redefine who the person is that you are, because for those people who are givers, you know, and you mentioned this, they tend to want to give or even if they don't want to, they they unconsciously do it. They feel like they're supposed to do that, that they're not right. supposed to receive. And there's work that you need to do to re- reset that boundary for yourself, not just for the people around you as well, because you've chosen that that lot. Yes. <laughs> even people who are balanced givers and receivers will feel it if you're unwilling to receive. Right. And they're going to feel that they're going to be unbalanced in the relationship. Yep. And they're going to feel uncomfortable with that. Yep. And so they won't stick around. And the other piece is, is that because you're used to dealing with takers, you don't trust anybody. And if you don't trust people who are trustworthy, they wander off too. Yeah. <laughs> because they're like, no, I don't like the way you're defining me. I don't want to be around you. We had talked at one point in an episode about energy vampires. Yeah. We did a lot of conversation on that. Yeah. Do energy vampires come into play with this 
construct of perils of overgiving? I'm assuming they do because they yes. they seek out in some cases <laughs> the overgivers. Yeah. And you know, this is true both on a mental emotional level and on a energetic level. Right. So the energy vampires are happy to be around the overgivers. <laughs> They're like, "Ooh, yummy food. Thank you." <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that, that actually goes into the process as well. Then in addition to that, there's also the overgiving in terms of commitments. Okay. I think I told you guys the story about the woman that I was in Habitat for Humanity with 20 years ago. I don't recall that one. No. Oh, well then. Perfect episode to talk about this one. <laughs> so I was on the board for Habitat for Humanity. She walked in the door. I took one look at her and I was like, Oh my God, what happened to you? Because her entire aura had collapsed. I mean, there was no energy around her. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. She said, I have been to multiple doctors. I am going to a specialist on Monday and I am getting frostbite in my fingers and toes. And it's not cold enough to justify it. I'm wearing socks and shoes and it's only in the 30s. And there's no reason why I shouldn't, but I'm not getting any circulation in my hands or feet. And I'm like, you're not getting circulation in your hands and feet because your aura has collapsed into your body and therefore will not allow circulation in your hands and your feet. It is in such survival mode that it has consolidated itself entirely within your torso because your arms and legs are now irrelevant to it. And she's going, what? Like, stay after the meeting, we'll talk. <laughs> and so I, I literally put her up on the conference room table after the meeting. And I spun her energy field back out into its larger form and got her and, and immediately the circulation came back to her fingers and her toes. And she was like, Oh my God, I'm going to feel like such an idiot walking into the specialist's office tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And I looked at her and I said, before you leave here tonight, you have to quit three things. And she was like, what? I said, you are overcommitted. You have pushed yourself to the point where your energy field has collapsed you have got to quit three things tonight before you leave here. I'm not letting you leave until you call and make three people unhappy with you. And she was just like, but, but I said, "Mm -mm." I said, this is your health. You continue down this path. You're going to die. Stop it. And she was just like, I was like, call. And she's like, well, I have to quit habitat. I said, I anticipated that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, fine. You've just officially tendered your resignation. I accept. Next. And I made her call two other people because that was, it was literally killing her. Yeah. And so, you know, this, this is the extreme example of that. It happens in smaller ways throughout everything. Okay. I was going to ask that because we just talked about perils and, and one of the first perils we talked about was actual physical death. So yes. what what are the other ways that it would present? Because hopefully people aren't out there, you know, literally killing themselves um, as frequently as as that. Well, maybe they are. The, the look on your face tells me this happens far more often than people realize. Yeah, not not collapsing the energy field. She had a good um, energetic defense mechanism. Okay. The collapse of the energy field was actually a really good defense mechanism <laughs> because it caused the response that went, oh, crap, something's horribly wrong. Yeah. So energetically... What happens in the beginning is that you are giving and giving and giving, and then you are giving from your emptiness. 
Okay. So you're putting yourself in a deficit. Okay. And you can only deficit for so long before you actually begin giving from your actual life force. Hmm. So in energetic terms, we have chi in, in the Chinese energy medicine model. We have chi, which is the energy that we use to run our lives every day. Okay. It's the energy that we can channel from the universe and that we can bring through us and whatever. And then we have jing. And chi is an unlimited source if we are open to channel it and pull it through us and so forth. Most of us listening to this podcast are not open to do that most of the time because we're in that energetic fetal position, defensive mode from our childhood where we're like cut off from everything to protect ourselves, right? right? And so therefore, we're not using universal source energy to do these things. We're using our own energy to do these things. Jing is a finite source of energy. It is the life force energy that tells us how long we're going to live. And when we steal from our Jing, we literally shorten our lives. Now, doctors will say it's stress that shortens lives. I'm going to tell you from an energetic perspective, it is not stress that shortens your life. It is the stealing of your Jing and the handing of it to others. So through the stress of whatever you're dealing with, you end up stealing from your jing. Well, you give until you have nothing left and then you give some more from your reserves and then you give past the point of your reserves into your jing. And that's when you start shortening your life. And so, yes, people are dying from this. Hmm. They just don't know it because it's not an immediate response. Okay. It's taking years off their life on the back end. From a medical perspective, it's often tied to stress versus the giving. Exactly. You know, there's a couple things you can do about it. Obviously, the first one is stop over giving. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Easier said than done. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You know, it's a profound and simple answer that is much more complicated to to, uh, deliver. The second is to practice opening up to universal source so that when you're giving, you're giving from universal source energy instead of from your own. And the third is an emergency backup system. And I'm actually going to teach you guys that emergency backup system today. Okay. Uh, it's actually part of my Mastering Spiritual Evolution program, and I haven't given it out otherwise, but I'm going to give it to you now because it's important and I don't want people killing themselves. The emergency backup system is remarkably simple. And I want to thank my friend Stephen Cohen Loudon for having given this to me when I was being young and stupid and giving away my jing. <laughs> And I looked at him and was like, I don't even know I'm done and toast until I'm on the ground. And I don't know when I'm getting low. And <laughs> and I can't tell. I can't monitor my own energies. Like, eh, put it on circuit breaker. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he, said, he said, put in a circuit breaker. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> right? And so this is this is the concept is that you install a circuit breaker into your energy field. And what that does is you set it at a certain percentage. Now, for those of you who are insanely overgiving in way too many directions, you may want to make this higher. Mm-hmm. You may want to make it at 50%, but I do mine at 25%. Yep. At 25%, the circuit breaker goes off and it shuts down the energy flow. And what that generally looks like is you go from being wide awake to suddenly falling asleep. And you're like, wait a minute, I was wide awake three seconds ago. Why am I falling asleep? Yep. Ah, I'm at 25% of my reserves. 
Okay. And then you can flip the switch back on so that you can keep going and not fall asleep. But you know that you're at 25% and you know you need to start shutting down whatever process you're doing. And you know you need to retreat and take some time for yourself to refill. And that is the relevant part. And that's why you install the circuit breaker, right? Because in the moment you are unlikely to be able to just immediately stop and walk away. Right. You know, for me, it was happening during ritual. I was like, oh crap. And this is a concept that you talked to us about as students when we were doing Reiki as well, when you were teaching us Reiki, the ability to install that circuit breaker, because often energy healers tend to forget where their energy is coming from. They don't use the Reiki energy and end up using their own energy to do the energy healing. And sometimes you need that guard against that as well. Yeah. So as you can tell, Joey was in my Reiki class. Was. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's, I, I teach that to, to healing students as well. So here's a basic premise. Okay. We're going to do this together right now. So if you're driving, don't close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and and listen to this part later but everybody else close your eyes <laughs> if you if you're not in a position where closing your eyes would be dangerous to you close your eyes and what we're going to do is we're just going to intend you're just going to get really still for a minute and just say i'm putting in an energy circuit breaker that when i hit 25% of my energy it will shut off making me feel like i need to go to sleep immediately I am able to override this whenever I choose, and it will be a marker for me to know that it is time for me to take some downtime as soon as possible once I've finished what I'm doing. Know that it is done, know that it is complete, know that it is installed, and that it will be there from now on until you remove it. Okay. That's all it takes. Don't question it. And we've just installed our our energetic circuit breaker. We have just installed our energetic circuit breakers. Now, you talked about taking downtime in that. Yes. What does downtime look like? Really good question. (laughs) (laughs) So, downtime is that which fills you up. (laughs) When I'm overdone, I I do a lot of letting the TV watch me. Mm -hmm. That does not count as downtime. Right. I just want to be really clear. It is brain dead time. It is, you know, leave me the fuck alone time, but it is not downtime because I don't feel better at the end of it. You have to identify, and this would be a really good thing for you guys to do is to make a list of the things that nourish you, Mm -hmm. the things that fill you up, whether it's sitting in front of a fire, going for a walk in the woods. One of my favorite ones used to be sitting in a tub with a with a teapot full of tea and a good book, mm-hmm. right? That, that was my nourishing moment. It was like, Ooh, I'm taking care of myself. Don't I feel great? Right. And then I discovered that drinking hot liquids and being in a hot bath was really not optimal and I overheated <laughs> and therefore it wasn't as good as I thought it was. But for a while it was good. <laughs> it was delightful for the moment. <laughs> it was delightful for a while. And then, then I gained some weight and it wasn't delightful anymore. So, <laughs> so you're going to pay attention, you know, sometimes your, your nourishments don't continue continue over time, but uh, pay attention to what actually nourishes you, you know, going out for a coffee with a friend, sitting in stillness and, and being just quiet, reading a good book. This is like a situation where if your car runs out of gas, you don't leave your car on the side of the road and say, oh, we'll just let it, let it sit here so that it, it can run again. You have to bring your car to a gas station to actually put fuel back into it. Yes. So the, the brain dead, that shutdown time isn't actually 
the downtime we're talking about, it's refueling. It's replenishing that which has been consumed. Great metaphor. Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. All right. Yeah. So, you know, this is the the thing is that you have to pay attention to where it's going. Mm -hmm. The other side of overgiving that becomes a challenge for people is this sense that when you're giving and giving and giving and getting nothing back, it makes your inner self, your, your subconscious mind believe that the only way to get anything in life is to work and work and work and work until you drop. Right. And you often don't get recognized for it. You know, it's, it's that thing where you do more in a, in a day than most people do in a week. It's like, well, eventually your boss just comes to expect that. And now, now what? You're setting your own bar. Yeah, exactly. And because you don't accept compliments when they say, Oh, what a great job you did. You went, you go, Oh yeah, no big deal. Thanks. And you wander off and you minimize it. And so therefore you don't actually necessarily even get the kudos for having done the extra. Not knowing how to accept the compliments makes it a challenge unto itself. And because you are so busy giving, you can't receive, which keeps you from receiving love. Right. And that was the whole point of the giving in the first place. It's a catastrophic sort of breakdown that happens around this particular piece, which is not your fault. You were trained to do it this way. I I, want to be really clear. It's not your fault, but it's your fault if you continue after today, because now you know. I want to ask you about what you just said. You just mentioned that it's hard for you to receive love, which was the point of the giving in the first place. I want to talk about that in the context of some people who only give in order to receive as opposed to giving unconditionally. Is there a difference there? Is there is it unhealthy to give unconditionally? So I, I want to identify the difference between unconditional giving and giving to feel good about yourself. Okay. Unconditional giving comes from an overflow of your own energy. Okay. When you learn how to give unconditionally, you give unconditionally to everyone, including yourself. I see. And so when you're in the state of unconditional giving, you are also in the state of unconditional receiving. And that's that balance. Right. You cannot unconditionally give without also unconditionally receiving because the lack of receiving will put you in a conditional state on the giving. Okay. They're physically impossible to be separated. I don't want to lose a moment to talk about what you touched on earlier, which was the financial aspect. Yes. Thank you. Let's circle back to that. The financial aspect of it. I see this happen most often with family members. Okay. You know that you are overgiving when you are giving to someone else and putting yourself in financial straits. And I see this with parents and children all the time, especially moms. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, well, my daughter or my son needs this. And, you know, I, I so I gave it to them, but now I don't know how I'm going to make my rent. Yep. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> rent comes first. Whether the, the child lives with you or not, your ability to survive comes first. You have to take care of you. If they are living with you and you're, you don't want them to miss some awesome opportunity to travel or to do some schooling or whatever, you know, some days it just doesn't work right. and you got to pay the bills. 
Think about it this way. If your child ever found out that you lost the house because you gave them something, how guilty would they feel about that? Yeah. That's inappropriate. And if your adult child is out of the house and is like scrabbling to try and survive, fine. Pay your rent and let them, you know, crash on your floor. (laughs) But you cannot sacrifice your own ability to survive for the other person. So, you know, there's this place where you have to balance. You have to take care of you first, because if you don't take care of you today, then you won't be around tomorrow to take care of them either. I I see parents bail children out a lot. You know, I've known people who have made excuses for adult children and bailed them out over and over again. And I keep looking at them going, you have to let them fail. If they don't fail, they're never going to learn how to overcome the failure. They're never going to learn how to recover from it. And therefore, they're never going to grow. And you as a parent are not going to be around forever to bail them out. So it's harder to learn it the later in life you get it, the lesson. And there's two sort of things that you're talking about here. One is the the airplane oxygen mask sort mm-hmm. of scenario where you sometimes you have to put your own mask on before you can help those around you because if you don't, then you're going to be dead before you get their mask on and then everybody's in trouble, right? Yes. So that's the one where it's, you know, take care of yourself before you take care of others. And with that one – there's an interesting thing you also said there is you got to pay your bills mm-hmm. and it comes down to sort of defining what are the the bill priorities there. We mentioned rent. That's one. But if health care comes into play, for example, like it's one thing to say, oh, my kid needs to take a school trip to the Bahamas because it's a really great learning opportunity. But if they go to the Bahamas, I won't be able to pay my rent this month. There's that standard of what's important there. The other one is my kid needs a heart transplant in order to survive. But if they get this heart transplant, I won't be able to pay my rent. That might jump above in that yes. case. And it's all about sort of defining what those those needs are in reality versus what yes. those needs are in the perception of, in some cases, the child. I really want this Lamborghini. Well, great. But you don't need that Lamborghini. Right. It's a want. Well, and you also have to consider if you have one child or multiple children, because oftentimes, especially if we have a child who is in need or who is challenged in some way, the other children get ignored. And, you know, it's the squeaky wheel syndrome. It's like, oh, you're, you're, you're okay. Great. I'm going to focus on this other one. And so, yes, that's a balancing point as well. I'm going to say something really hard right now. My child needs a heart transplant and my other three children need a place to live. Do I put my other three children on the street because one child needs a heart transplant? Or do I start a GoFundMe campaign and go out and raise money in other ways and go ask for support and, you know, fight with my legislature and, you know, do all the things that I can do in other ways to provide for that. I'm not saying don't, don't work for the other child's benefit. I'm also saying that you, you have more than one person to consider. And we in our mindset have this belief structure that only one person can be valuable at a time. Yeah. Well, that mindset is terrible in my opinion, yes. but yes. <laughs> well, and that's why I'm, I'm calling it out in this scenario. 
because, you know, you have to have a place to live. Your spouse has to have a place to live. Your children that are not ill have to have a place to live. You have to be able to carry on your life, whether or not this child survives. And we don't know whether or not they're going to survive because heart transplants don't always come through. So you have to look at it as a whole picture. And I know that we tend to go into emergency thinking and go into that space, but you also have to take a look for the future for, for the wholeness of the family as well. So, you know, you have to balance your efforts. You have to make sure that everybody still has a home while you try and get the, the needs of the child who's in desperate, dire need taken care of. And, you know, sometimes that means you can call the bank with your mortgage and say, hey, my child needs a heart transplant and I need a gimme. And sometimes they'll give you a gimme. You know, you just got to you got to talk to them about it. Sometimes they'll restructure your loan so that it's much less expensive so that you can put more money into that. You know, it's just a matter of proactively communicating with your your debtors and, that you know, with your lenders in that, in that case. But it's a matter of taking responsibility out for the whole picture, not dropping everything in favor of the emergency, which is what we're trained to do. And I want to make sure that sort of summarize it in what I'm hearing to just make sure that I'm understanding what you're saying, because this is a very, as you said, this is a very difficult topic. And I want to make sure that everybody's hearing what you're saying. Yeah. It's not about giving up on the person no, in need. Not even remotely. This is about ensuring that what you're doing considers the entirety of your picture. As yes. opposed to a singular point. Now, there's nobody who has a family member, a loved one, a child, whatever it is, that is going to say, oh, that's tough. I've got to pay the mortgage. So, you know, best of luck to you. That, right. That's not what it, nobody's going to do that. However, no. there's the ability to care for that person in need as well as for everybody else in your sphere and, and work to find a solution that covers all of it versus a solution that covers one band. And right. everybody being part of that decision is is probably how those those things most often work. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, everybody pays the price for it. Right. So therefore, everybody should have a say in it. You know, we're dealing with an extreme example here. Right. Absolutely. I want to I want to pull it back to an everyday example, which happens far more often with my peeps is ah, I've been working myself to the bone. I deserve this vacation. Mm -hmm. And then you go on this vacation that you couldn't afford. And now you're stuck digging out from the debt for years to come. Right. And that happens far more often in the pagan community. It is not uncommon to see people who say, well, I wanted to come to this festival, but my boss wouldn't give me the time off. So I quit. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But that's not in your best interest, right? right. It, it's, it's really not going to be optimal for you. So, you know, these are the sorts of things where we learn how to, take care of ourselves as we go through the process of becoming more conscious of our own needs. Yeah. And it's the ability to separate needs and wants. Yes. But uh, he sort of, <laughs> because that, that vacation by the time you get to it is a need because you have thrown yourself into the ground so far that if you don't take that vacation, you're going to kill somebody. Right. But the need there is to get an opportunity to recharge and refuel. It doesn't necessarily to go on a whirlwind tour of Europe for three months. The key isn't about whether or not you take the vacation. The key is about learning how to take care of your needs earlier so that the vacation isn't so crucial. Okay. So the vacation's a want, not a need, so that right. you have time to save for it rather than paying it back with interest and then putting yourself more in the hole. 
and also vacationing within your means. I mean, there are ways to do things that are that are not expensive that also can refuel it. Yeah. Even if it's the pot of tea and the book and you can do those all along the way. Yeah. Staycations. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Jeff and I sat there Friday night and it was the first night that we had both the energy and the time to do something in yeah. months. Then we were like, I looked at him on Friday and I was like, what do you want to do? And he was like, I don't know. We could do something, couldn't we? I'm like, yes, we could. What do we want to do? And we both decided that what we really wanted to do was have a fire in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's what we did. But that's really what it comes down to is, you know, do I need to go out and blow a bunch of money on a dinner out? Or would I just be happier sitting in the backyard staring at the fire? And for yeah. us, both of us at the time, it was like, yeah, I really want to just sit and stare at the fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. we can do that. It's a tough conversation. And it is really hard when you haven't started making the transition into thinking the way the average person thinks in the world mm -hmm. to wrap your mind around the concept. But properly motivated. And I will tell you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are properly motivated. <laughs> you have something in you, you know, assuming that you're going down the strong woman side of things or strong person side of things is probably a better way of saying it. Assuming you're going down the, the warrior side, you could take care of your needs, pay your bills and go out and raise the money for the heart transplant. Right. I have no doubt that any one of you could go out and raise that money. There's no need to bankrupt yourself to do it. And you don't have to bankrupt yourself before it's okay for you to ask for help. And the message there is don't get focused on one solution to the problem. There's always multiple. Yes. You can focus on the goal or you can fo focus on the obstacle. But whichever one you focus on is where you're going to end up. Right. This is one of those things, and I'm sure we've talked about this in the past. This is one of those things where you decide what you want and then you go make it happen. Right. And that could be any number of paths. Indeed. You know, you find the public hospital that'll do it for costs. You find the public hospital that'll comp some of it. You talk, you find a donor who's willing to cover the costs because they've got more money than God and they don't, they want to do good with it. You know, right. who knows, but you, you raise awareness and you raise funds and you, you reach out to your community and you ask for help and, and you do it that way. Some deep stuff here. Well, you know, it's me. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, this has been, this has been really great. Actually, it's been a wonderful conversation. Some hard topics, but I think it's been wonderfully presented as always. Thank you. Is there any sort of summation you want to make? Taking care of yourself isn't selfishness. It's balance. All right, folks, that is all that we have time for this week, but be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Joey C., here with Kelly Sparta, and you have been listening to Spirit Chirpa. So long, everyone. Bye. Each while I travel over 13,000 now, I leave behind a little fear.
Spirit Trippa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to creativecommons.org. Any request for deviations to this licensing should be sent to K-E-L-L-E at K-E-L-L-E-S-P-A-R-T-A dot com. That's Kelly at KellySparta.com. To sign up or to get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to KellySparta.com. This episode of Spirit Trippa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions. And my love and my life and me. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.